Buildings on Air with Kiefer Dunn on London Radio. Hello and welcome to this February 2021 episode of Buildings on Air. Buildings on Air is, of course, the show where we talk about left politics, architecture, sometimes more of one and less of the other. And I'm your host, Kiefer Dunn. And I'm really excited uh, to be joined on Buildings on Air today by Jesse McCormick. Jesse, how is it going? Um, it's it's going all right. <laughs> yeah, good, good. So, you know, uh, unpaid internships is the topic of the day. It's something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit. Uh, obviously, uh, on this show, we're, we're, we're not a fan of unpaid internships in architecture. Um, but uh, we got in touch and, and, and you have worked on this report that I think um, some of it will be familiar to people who are kind of familiar with the discourse on, on, on unpaid architects and or unpaid internships in architecture. Uh, but it's it's very thorough in in its kind of uh, detailing of the historical context, the legal context, the sort of economic impacts, and 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 all of these things. So uh, maybe you can first introduce yourself and uh, you know give us the the kind of uh, ten thousand foot view of of what this report's about. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm Jesse McCormick. I um, I'm a designer and a a pre-licensed architectural designer uh, in New York City. Um, I graduated from a with a master's of architecture uh, in 2018, and since then I've been working in a in a few different capacities as both a designer, a researcher, and an educator. Um, and yeah, so um, in a lot of ways, I embody exactly what this report is is trying to look at, and so. Um, what what this report is is trying to essentially um, address in a very straightforward manner the ambiguity um, that myself and um, my colleagues who worked on this report with me identified within this very sort of like um, conveniently packaged concept of intern. And so what what this report is essentially trying to do is just to look at um, in a very concrete, very um, head-on way, both what is an intern now uh, and what has an intern uh, been throughout the course of um, the last century's worth of um, the practice of architecture in the United States. Um, and in some ways, this was piggybacking off of the um, some of the work that uh, Storefront for Art and Architecture was doing with the um, Office Us series, um, mm -hmm. we drew some inspiration um, as, a, as a way of looking uh, from uh, that project. Um, but what we essentially saw was a kind of um, disconnect between the, um, the various entities that are kind of uh, play a role in the entire ecosystem of the uh, practicing architect from student all the way through to uh, licensed professional and even um, firm owner, uh, so to speak. Um, but in particular, um, when it came to um, unsavory business practices, uh, mm -hmm. rather than kind of like uh, address it, I guess, with the, the pitchfork and the torch, um, mm -hmm. we were more 
interested in kind of understanding the entire ecosystem uh, to be able to almost paint um, the picture of, of the, the possible ways to negotiate these inconsistencies um, as almost design challenges uh, themselves. But the very first thing we wanted to do was just have a really broad overview from the perspective essentially of all the different entities that kind of have a role in this entire system to try and look at the places where there's a kind of breakdown um, in um, expectation, I guess you could say, along the way. And what we've kind of found is that um, the industry side uh, kind of gives a lot of responsibility to um, like um, away, essentially. And so does the education side and so does this sort of like uh, federal departments that oversee um, licensure, et cetera. And so um, we just we just kind of like had in pulling all the threads or kind of like looking at this, this everything seemed to point to this ambiguous period between getting a degree and getting a license. Right, right. And, and yeah, which, and, um, which is, uh, interesting because, you know, licensure is not always the end goal in the profession either. Um, and, and so, uh, and, and, and in a lot of ways that, that whole, the whole historic framework of an internship, um, sort of presumes that. And, um, you know, we're, we're sort of beyond that by a few steps uh, at this juncture in history. I mean, I, you know, I think, I think uh, the, one of the things that I appreciate uh, about the report is, is how it kind of details. Um, I think some of the, as you call it, like the ambiguities, uh, but like there's, there's ambiguities to the law here also, yeah. right? Um, you know, with the way, so uh, for listeners who don't know, uh, that the basically the law that governs uh, internships and specifically whether or not they could be paid or not uh, is is the uh, Federal Fair Labor Standards Act, which covers a lot of other <laughs> labor law things. Um, and, I, I, you know, I, I, those standards are always changing. Uh, the rules that they use to evaluate that are, are, are always changing. It's not like something that gets voted on um, in, in Congress. Uh, you know, it's, it's a kind of like uh, uh, procedural matter for this department. And so like, uh, uh, it, it's, it's, very, it's very strange. I mean, the law is the law, but the, the interpretations of the law uh, change depending on the political uh, sort of context. At the end of the day, this means that interns don't seem to have a lot of recourse if they're not getting paid, <laughs> uh, and that no no one is actually ever really looking at these things, um, uh, either preventatively or not. So, uh, you know, it, I, I I find that that's kind of where it becomes interesting because it's not a gray area by virtue of it being a gray area that no one's thought about <laughs> it's a gray area because uh you know it, it seems to benefit those who already have some power and it's difficult for those without power for unpaid interns to sue uh you know uh to, to kind of try to challenge any of it yeah um, that's, that's right mm-hmm. and and i guess um one important takeaway is is i think um that ambiguity always serves the sort of more powerful in the relationship um and one thing i think that 
that is also quite interesting to understand is that um, the those that have power in the relationship are almost like exercising it sort of without realizing like power manifests itself almost in in an invisibility mm-hmm. um, and I think that 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 is like allows sort of like really amorphous um, sort of like um, holdings of power within like there's so many players within this relationship that Mm -hmm. um, power kind of seems to like float around when convenient and that and that's that's what I mean about this ambiguity is like it it becomes like quite difficult to kind of pinpoint these these moments um, because as soon as you think you've sort of like arrived at the construction that sort of uh, like the apparatus that is at the end of the of the line that's kind of determining things it suddenly gets sort of like uh, displaced to another um, right. kind of, you well, know, um, legislation or stuff. Totally. And I mean, I think that that's, um, that's a, that was also an, another, another part of the report that I found to be interesting was just thinking about like uh, misclassification of employees. And we will come back to like defining that in a second, but like, you know, I, I think, um, the, the tide has maybe not completely turned on like like truly unpaid internships, but it's definitely like starting to, you know, like there are these mm-hmm. like huge Instagram architecture meme accounts that, yeah. you know, uh, you know that, that do a really good job of like dunking on anyone who offers <laughs> unpaid internship, yeah. you know, and there are, like tons of architecture students follow them, like tens of thousands, <laughs> you know, it's like um, the architecture lobby has been out there for a while advocating on this. You know, and then and and there just seems to be between all of these different things, and you know, many more things beyond the meme accounts and the architecture lobby, <laughs> uh, yeah. but just you know that 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 um, people's mindsets are changing, or or at least students who are sort of you know the, the ones trying to navigate this um, uh, often have, like have have more clarity about what's going on, but but now. Yeah. Like the like the, the like the new for like a cool upcoming architecture practice isn't to hire an unpaid internship. Uh, it's it's to uh, misclassify people who are <laughs> definitely employees as independent contractors. And, right. Exactly. Yeah. And so I'm wondering, maybe you can you can talk a little bit about what that is. Yeah. So yeah. So uh, there's an interesting situation that you're identifying right now, which is that. Um, both the, the the law as it stands, as well as the AIA, which um, we can also get into what the AIA kind of like is in a lot of ways um, with regards to this. Um, but there's a general idea to push beyond um, t- the terminology of intern. Mm-hmm. Um, and, the, and, and kind of like you're right to point out that doesn't necessarily like take care of the full issue. Um, and, and I think one of the things that you're describing is that um, as kind of uh, unpaid labor and like um, underpaid labor under the guise of sort of like internship, um, mm-hmm. as we sort of more traditionally know it, um, is becoming something that is very critically looked at and, and by both uh, students, young practitioners and firms in general, people are kind of starting to, um, more than starting to, where they're kind of like... Um, trying to eliminate this practice um, on the whole. And I think that's very good, but some of the ways in which it's being done 
are essentially just by um, going after the word itself. Um, mm -hmm. And what you see is um, this rise of um, like gig working or um, freelance working or contract working um, mm -hmm. that kind of tends to fall under this, you know, ambiguous umbrella once again. And so you have these situations where, um, you know, offices, they do hire people on short-term basis um, with a contract that's sort of like um, negotiated as if it's it's freelance, but the nature in which the, the worker is potentially working is almost as an employee, um, mm -hmm. which, which tends to go very much against what the law determines a freelance or a contract worker actually is. And so one of the sort of pitfalls of this terminology changing, as you see like um, the, the AIA switching from the IDP or the, the intern development program to the AXP, which is the architecture experience program, which doesn't even really <laughs> define a subject, right? And so what you've done is you've eliminated the harmful terminology, but you've potentially given rise to even more ambiguity um, in terms of, uh, you know, being able to determine, uh, you know, appropriate working conditions. Um, and obviously like, uh, you know, uh, this this is both a step forward and also potentially a step into more ambiguity, which could be an issue in and of itself. Right. When, and, you know, this, I think uh, one of the concrete ways, just to give an example to the listeners that this happens is, you know, an, uh, an, uh, an office, uh, uh, you know, uh, might approach a student and say, we will, we will p take you on uh, for a summer and we will give you a, we will pay you a $2,000 stipend to do this work. And mm -hmm. uh, they, they hire that person as an independent contractor. And that's how they get away with paying them a stipend. Cause a, a lot of time, I mean, this is not universally true, but like a lot of times it's like barely minimum wage if you do the math. Um, and uh, you know, independent contracting, I, as you mentioned, like the Department of Labor has some criteria that they use to determine whether or not an employment relationship exists or whether it's a true independent contracting relationship. And, um, and, and, and like, yeah, like in point of fact, most of the time, you know, these people are employees, they show up at the office, they might work, you know, 40 or 60 hours a week. And, you know, uh, they, they, they take direction, they don't get, they don't get say of, over their own schedule, right? Like, you know, uh, they, you know, if it looks like an employee talks like an employee, <laughs> sounds like an employee, it's probably an employee, you know? Um, and so, uh, you know, in, in that case, it's another one of these circumstances where uh, that, that, that employee is, is, should be entitled to way more rights, all the rights that they'd be entitled to uh, in an employment relationship, um, but, but they're generally not. And I should say, full disclosure, you know, I'm, I'm a sole practicing architect and every now and then, like I, 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 I hire help uh, to get me over a hump, um, and and you know, and I always try to make it very clear that like yeah, you get to set your own hours. I try to pay a a, a, a really solid rate, and um, you know, uh, and if and if I can't do those things, then like I have no business hiring help. Um, and you know, tough for me uh, at the at the very minimum, and. 
Uh, that's not that's not perfect by any means, but uh, you know, it, 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 there's there's um, this. I mean, it's 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 really it's really a weird situation. It's a weird situation for 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 everybody. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's it's a weird situation, and and like what I guess is weird about it is that what like as as we're kind of like you know trying to look at what's happening it's a question of um like it's uh, it's an economic question i guess to some degree but it quickly in in terms of trying to value design becomes a conceptual question like mm -hmm. like very quickly in, in that like so the the traditional way of uh, assessing whether something is an is an internship or not is with the primary beneficiary test, um, mm -hmm. and that uh, essentially says that like um, because like the the law in the United States says that unpaid internships of an educational nature are okay. Um, mm -hmm. The problem is is that in order to be gaining hours towards your licensure in architecture. Um, it's required that you are paid for that work. Um, and so then we have this kind of like um, this situation where um, the universities essentially have outsourced the sort of on the job training to the um, private sector. And the private sector doesn't have a lot of incentive to be training uh, employees. And um, that's where you have people kind of like in this very awkward in-between stage where they have to approach, you know, um, firms that are historically undervaluing themselves uh, within the industry um, that are operating on shoestring budgets, uh, if not less than that, um, like trying to still take people on and, and bring them through the profession. And um, there's you know, like, it's really hard to, to kind of like pinpoint one thing as the problem here right. um, uh, in that equation. Right, right, right. It's deeply structural, right? It's not like, uh, deeply, yeah. it's not, and, and that means that it's uh, like, like, yes, this is it, to some degree a question of morality. Like uh, there's like skeezy, uh, you know, um, architects who are happy to hire somebody and kind of believe their own BS that, you know, it's, it's for, you know, a, such a great experience for them or something. Yeah. But I think, I think that, I think we're, we're leaving that era to a lot of degree. And I think that that's, that's also kind of frightening because we don't have that demon to sort of like, we don't have that scapegoat. We don't have that, we don't have that character that, that sort of just like, um, that ruthless figure that is like, you know, that person is not the reason that we're in this situation anymore. If that person dies away and we still have the same trouble, it's a structural issue and we have to look at it that way. And, yeah. And, uh, and it's not, it's, 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 it's not even that we can change these uh, sort of department of labor tests for independent contracting or what is an internship uh, like because even <laughs> like no no one in our profession has paid attention to the tests in, in you know in 40 years uh whether good bad or otherwise however they've evolved <laughs> you know no no I, it's true like i think it i think it really points to the structure of of work the structure of the way labor is organized in the design field um like mm -hmm. 
absolutely as the sort of like only way to understand how to reorganize in a productive way. And that means that sort of like that, that involves kind of like a, a reorganization along all um, points along the trajectory. And like, like that has to, that kind of plays a role in the way that professional practice is taught within a university that plays a role in which it's sort of like administered in the early stages of someone's pre-licensure career. But it also has to do with the way that the workplace itself is kind of like organized. And I, and I think that it sort of necessitates really like more radical reorganizations of the, the design entity itself. Yeah. Well, and I, I think I, I really, I really agree with that. I think, um, you know, I, I spend a lot of time thinking about how, how change happens, right? And how, how will affect that change? Because I, I think in a lot of ways for me, this, this is, is also, this whole fight is really indicative of uh, the changing um, sort of class position of architectural workers, broadly speaking. Um, and and uh, the way that we think about that and uh, the kind of position of the industry like in, in capital. Um, because, uh, you know, I, th- I think, uh, you know, 30 or 40, 50 years ago, um, you know, the, 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 the institution of the internship uh, was, wasn't a big deal if it was paid or unpaid because the, the, the sort of architect as a figure was, uh, uh, you know, like a kind of petite bourgeois, like mm-hmm. upper middle class, like, you know, uh, sort of figure. And, um, and if, if you weren't that, like, tough luck. And the, the internship was one of the ways in which that gatekeeping was affected. It was awful then, just like it's awful now. But, mm-hmm. but the reason why it's getting a, a, attention now and a sustained pushback is because now, like, uh, there's just more and more and more and more everyday folk in, in, in uh, matriculating into the, the world of architecture and, um, and, and, and trying to find a way to have some dignity in their job and make a living out of it. And, and so, so the, the, pri- the priorities become, a, 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 and sort of sites of political action become a, a, a little bit different and a little bit more personal and a little bit closer to everyday life. So, so we start to focus on the workplace more. Um, that's my, I don't know, that's my, that's my like hunch and my two cents, you know, um, on it. But I think that for me, it also like implies a, a, a theory of change that means that we must be working from like the, the bottom up um, in, in mass. Um, you know, it's a, it's a design problem, but, but the design is not enough. And I, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm curious what you think about that. No, I, I think that's interesting. I, I think that so. I think that part of the the sort of way in which that this this sort of broad look that we that we conducted it through this study mm-hmm. was trying to was trying to make make a, a productive argument at beyond um, a complaint, I guess, beyond registering mm-hmm. a complaint um, and beyond sort of just like drawing a picture of what is. We mm-hmm. were trying to understand. Uh, how this could be productive, um, even even in terms of just being like enlightening to how it how it actually is working, um, and the the way that we kind of like wanted to organize its productivity was towards like trying to say that the redesign of of the the way that like practice is conceived 
is a design uh, issue that's interesting enough to be taken right. seriously in a way. Um, because if if you register these um, if you register these these bits of information or these these um, these complaints, I guess you could say, as a complaint, as um, as strictly activism, as strictly um, advocacy for policy changes, as strictly um, you know professional practice reform. Uh, suggestions. If you register them in these sort of like siloed um, and unfortunately sort of like understood as dry categories, um, if they wind up being like less productively understood, um, then if you package it as uh, a design challenge, and that's that's almost like a very cynical um, approach because it 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 um, kind of assumes that um, architects and, and people within the architecture field like aren't going to get as interested in something if it's not a design challenge. Right. Um, and but but I do I do tend to agree with you in that the um, the uh, the approach um, to change uh, it has to be sort of like ground up um, while simultaneously taking like the broadest view into right. consideration. Um, the broadest view being like, how do we operate in this this way in which like the the ecosystem is sort of saying that like we uh, you know have more architects than we need, um, right. for example, like yeah. like when when like real estate needs. Uh, architecture less than architects need real estate and when architects need architecture more than architecture needs architects like mm -hmm. that's a really difficult problem um, because in its bleakest uh, it paints a sort of like you know uh, hyper competitive um, scenario and and you know like the the, the only way out of that is uh, a, a different type of, of working together, a different type of, of collectivization. And, and I think looking at the class evolution of the of the architect in general, at least in the United States, is is a productive place to look. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, because that, you know, it's almost this question, I, I, I appreciate you talking about it as like registering a complaint, because I think like, for me, that's like the kernel of it in a lot of ways is that like, if you like, who, who are you going to complain to? And like, why are they going to care? Like, cause you know, if, if you're complaining about to the AIA, like, I'm sorry, like the, the AIA, like, like you mentioned, they, they might, they, they might like, you know, be able to get pushed and pulled in certain ways, but like ultimately structural change is not going to come from the people who represent the status quo. Right. Right. And like, uh, and, and so, you know, I think, um, I think uh, like, yeah, any, any, any way, any, anything that helps us, you know, um, sort of uh, build a new perspective um, that's also like a, a, attached to organizing for alternatives, even in the loosest way, is is, is positive. And I, I think this report uh, helps helps us in that journey. Absolutely. Um, I'm also I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit 
um, about sort of like the actual genesis of the report itself. <laughs> like, you know, like why, like what, what got you to do this? Like, who are the collaborators, uh, right. et cetera? Right. No, it's, I think it's, 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 uh, maybe a, um, a necessary thing to help understand, um, exactly what we were talking about in terms of enacting changes, um, because, um, the initial, so, so this report was carried out with, um, in, in full with, uh, between, uh, myself and three other colleagues from, uh, Columbia University. We were all graduating master's students. It was, um, myself, James Brion, Abraham Morell, and Andrea Chine, and we were all, um, we had all kind of like um, been discussing frustrations with um, with um, actually um, the school's uh, agency within this whole equation. So, like, mm -hmm. does does the university have a role to play that could be stronger in terms of helping to speed along some of these um, labor issue changes? And so, what we did is we wrote a letter. Um, and we got some people to sign it um, to send to the administration that said um, we would like it if the school had an official stance on good labor practice, um, acceptable labor practice. Um, and um, we felt that that would um, kind of at least begin a conversation where the school would have no choice but to kind of reckon with some of the, um, let's say, like, more archaic forms of things that they tolerate, um, mm -hmm. especially from faculty who were kind of um, relied on some of this, these types of ambiguous and, and sometimes uh, inappropriate forms of labor to do short-term projects, projects that were pro bono, projects that were not pro bono, but the way that mm -hmm. the students might be hired would be through the university as a researcher. And so mm -hmm. all these sort of like um, complicated and oftentimes um, bordering exploitative situations between students and faculty. And um, we thought that, that while we were students, that was a good place to start. And so mm -hmm. we kind of brought that letter to the, to the institution and they said, okay, like we don't, um, uh, we, we, we are not ready to just like have a position. Um, but perhaps you could do some research that would ground the conversation that would allow us to have a more informed discussion about how to kind of eventually move to instituting uh, a position on uh, what is and is not appropriate uh, labor conditions for architects and, and uh, architecture students. Mm -hmm. um, and so they funded this report. Um, we, we did it, we handed it in and um, the, the sort of direct conversation about that uh, never really happened, um, but it did produce the this report and um, people, it is it is uh, accessible. If you go to Columbia GSAP's website, you can, and Google uh, internships in the architecture profession, GSAP, you'll find a link straight to it. You can read it um, for yourself. Uh, it's hosted there, um, but, um, but that conversation was, you know, uh, for all intents and purposes, a bit, you know, pushed to the side after, after the report was yeah. sort of uh, finished. Yeah. Um, 
Well, and feel free to uh, you know evade this question, but but what 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 do you make of that? Like, what do you what do you make of the fact that it was like, yeah, like you know we're listened to we're we're happy to like you know uh, feign good faith and listen and you know fun, even fund a report on this, but anything sort of beyond that 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 is sort of substantive and material seems like a bridge too far i don't maybe that's my editorializing but no no, no. that's certainly the picture that i've i'm painting um Uh and and that is my take on it is that it was just a little too complicated to continue dealing with and i um you know we ceased to be students uh within the institution and um and another component is that it's, you know, long and, and requires some, um, I don't know, some some close reading a little bit. Um, so like part of it is like, what is the appropriate form of presentation of presenting um, some hypocrisy to the systems which are participating in it? Um, so like, there's not a lot of incentive for them to look at it in the first place. And um, it comes back to like a, yeah like like what is the what is the proper medium for uh for this information what is the proper medium for like uh productive uh antagonism i guess or like what is the like how do you achieve solidarity with uh of an ins like a a a university you know Uh, right it doesn't make sense like the solidarity that you achieve is maybe like a mutual agreement to be in an open fight right well i i think in some ways we can't take administrations like as as good faith actors in a lot of ways you know uh and i don't know this is me this is really me editorializing now but i i mean i i i think in 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 my my humble humble sort of experience like reading uh you know social movement history and and being being an organized leftist for a while you know i i really feel like what we need is is like unions, unions on campus of campus workers to kind of like take up some of these issues as demands. Um, And I think, you know, for the last four years, uh, the campus unions, both like teacher unions, grad student unions, etc., have been sort of like preoccupied with being being on the defensive uh, because of the, 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 the Trump administration. But, but maybe now there's an opportunity to really go on the offensive and make some of these demands like the university won't post any internships, you know, that 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 don't meet the, you know, Department of Labor criteria like boom, basic. Like I know for a fact that my school like doesn't do that basic research, really. Mm-hmm. They, they say whether a, an internship is paid or unpaid and that's it. But they don't they don't check whether it's legal, uh, you know, or, or, or not. Uh, uh, so like the, you know, the basic things like that. And I also feel like if we had a union of architectural workers, they could really advocate on on some of these these more structural levels uh, because because and I think what makes it different is because those groups, when they're organized collectively, have an interest in solidarity with uh, the student who is looking at, uh, you know, potentially getting an unpaid internship. So there, you know, there's a material, a material overlap of, of, of interest there. And, um, uh, you know, a, a union has power by virtue of its collective. So, 
that's no, my two that's, cents. <laughs> yeah, no, no, I, I think that's I think that makes I think I think that I agree with with what you're saying and 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 I see and, and so like one of one of actually so like speaking of of unions and mm -hmm. this this um like one form of of collectivity um amongst um amongst architecture workers students etc um it, it is so so one of the things that i i actually found really illuminating um even if it's something that um is understood on a basic level i found from this report um and so like okay so speaking of unions that is um a primary um project of the architecture lobby that is primary um uh, yeah, I, sometimes I that they're taking sometimes I wish it was the, the, the project. Uh, sure, right, right. So that is, no, no, is important one. Uh -huh. But so, so the reason why that I would agree with you in that, and that maybe it is the most important one, or should be the most important one, in my opinion, is because one of the things that, in in looking at like who holds agency and and how that agency is transferred in terms of licensure and therefore power within um, the architecture industry. Um, seeing the AIA as just a lobby um, mm. was actually very, very enlightening for me um, mm. in terms of understanding how things work, because the AIA just happens to be the only, you know, have have been the only lobby in the game for 100 years. Right. Um, and so in a lot of ways, um, to see something like an alternative to the AIA, or like to understand potentially that the architecture lobby, in and of itself, um, can can have productive conflict with the AIA, for example. Like to understand that the AIA just makes kind of hopefully informed recommendations about how the laws are actually enacted, and um, uh, I think is really um, important to understand the AIA as not. Uh, an actual legislating body as just a <laughs> right. group of people right. that like have ideas uh, about how things should work and have certain motivations for um, advocating for them. But they are, they're a lobby group and they are a form of organization, but they don't have to be the only form of organization. And yeah. something like a, a union of architectural workers or an alternative architecture lobby, for example, the architecture lobby, um, mm -hmm can be sort of like having it out um yeah. in a certain yeah. way absolutely and i you know and i i'm i'm sort of keen and i you know i'm sort of keen for like just things to get real you know because like there's there are like these actual laws there are these actual rights that are being violated you know there's the the state by state practice acts that like you know govern licensure like there's mm -hmm. university policies, like, you know, all, all of these things are um, the terrain. Um, and I think, um, and, and I, and I uh, you know, I, I really appreciate that this report, I think really maps that terrain, like very effectively. Yeah. Sometimes, sometimes um, you know, especially, you know, in, including the architecture lobby, 
Um, and, and even even like the AIA, even I think sometimes doesn't do a good job of, uh, of, of being an effective lobby for its constituents anymore. You know, they have. Right, that's the thing. It's, it's too institutionalized that it, yeah. it's it can only be lobbied against. Right. They've uh, they've 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 almost been like uh, hoist by their own petard, uh, <laughs> you know, or, or like, you know, their, their own incompetence, you know. And, uh, you know, sometimes I think uh, in, 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 in the left, uh, especially in left architecture, we, we try to kind of like play their game a little bit uh, and, and fight fight on the train of like. Uh, or, or leave the fight on the train of like m- morality and culture, um, because like you know, change, changing all those things is hard. It's like it's hard work, and and there's no there's no like one obvious way to do it. Um, but I, you know, I, I I I appreciate I appreciate any kind of thing that really lays out like here's here's really like where the structure is meeting the road. It's not yeah. the same thing as the structure, but like it's the part that we can like really see, uh, at least. It's it's funny that you you I, I don't know if you said ethics, but you definitely said morality, and and I find it so um, fascinating. This like like purely fascinating, like without offering any further judgment on the fascination, but the the questions of morality and ethics and where they sit with respect to um, these right. types of problems, um, because I don't, I don't know. It's like it, it can get so messy sometimes when that is the sort of um, uh, it requires such a personal definition of what what moral and what ethical are, right. um, and they can often be mobilized towards like unproductive ends too. Um, and they start to create, a, you know, uh, I don't know, I don't know. It can get so murky when, um, but, but at the same time, underneath everything is, is a type of personal ethical standpoint that people are trying to hold themselves to. Um, right. Right. And so I, I guess maybe a question for you is like, where, where do you see truly like the moral question or like the ethical question fitting into, um, into this equation? Yeah. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, like on, on, on some level, like I'm, I'm so not a moralist in my approach to politics, but I have said the word morality a bunch of times. So I do have right, to because like, it winds up being like the only to, word uh, that you can yeah i mean i think uh for me it's just it's like really i mean i think it's the the greatest trick that capitalism ever pulled especially neoliberal capitalism was to make its failings everyone else's uh individual moral choices Mm -hmm. and i think um and i and i think like the the only way to like respond to that if you're on the side of good is to like um like yeah, like do the hard work. There's there's no shortcuts to it. Of like trying to build a collective agency because if 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 what if what um, you know capitalism is robbing us of is 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 our sort of you know like a, um, 
ability like to, to, like address all of these things the societal issues as a society uh uh then 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 the way that we wrestle that back is is, is through is through building building collective power because I, I mean like and you know the examples of this all the time are just like you know i i think there are architects who if they're either not thinking about it at all because they're so steeped in the way that things are quote unquote or they are making some sort of calculation where they're allowing themselves to be exploitative of somebody else to get ahead. And they have some way of justifying that to themselves. I, I, you know, I, 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 I doubt that there's very few people who are, who don't have some sort of justification in their head. And, and I also guarantee you that it's probably a BS, exp- <laughs> you know, a BS explanation. Right. But, but, uh, it almost like, um, and, and, and I think it, it helps to maybe focus on those as individual instances that can paint a bigger picture, but it's, it's definitely not, it's definitely not the full story. I mean, I think, um, linking it to ethics is interesting because like the whole reason why architects have a professional code of ethics is, is to maintain business relationships. It's like, you know, that's the origin story of the architect's code of ethics was that, you know, to prove that they would be good, uh, good representatives of their clients, you know, <laughs> you know, nothing to do with ethics in a, in a proper sense, uh, you know, unless someone is really pushing it to, to be that. And uh, like uh, architects, designers, planners for social responsibility, for instance, like, uh, but um you know, very, very rarely is that, is that the case? Um, so anyway. Well, I, yeah. I mean, no, it, it reminds me a, a little bit, uh, or like the cynical viewpoint is like, you know, you see with all of the protests that have been happening over the last six months mm-hmm. um, and, and then simultaneously you see, um, you know, a, a bunch of uh, corporations expressing their solidarity with the protests right. And this this sort of like ethical, um, like you need to check the ethical box in order to continue right. on. Um, right. And so that being the the that that is so easily sort of um, co-opted or corrupted um, in a lot of ways that mm-hmm. like I I'm I think I find myself very interested in um, looking finding a substitute for ethics, you know, ethics can't be at the bottom of everything um, mm-hmm. because it's, it's so easily sort of like, um, yes, manipulated. So like one cannot simply make an appeal, <laughs> right. You know, and yes. it's, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. like, I, think, I think this was a lesson that the architecture lobby writ large sort of learned over the years was in the, in the very, very, very beginning of the architecture lobby, uh, it was self-styled a, a, a consciousness-raising organization, and there was, you know, lots of people who joined, myself included, who were like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa!" Like, you know, consciousness-raising is all fine and well, but if we think that's going to make the change, like, you know, uh, we're we're kind of kidding ourselves here. And, you know, I don't know. The the lobby is very far from a perfect organization, but uh, I think that 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 idea of things is at least uh, behind it, um, which is good. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, yeah. We've got just a few minutes left sure. here. Um, you know, I, I mean, I, I do think, um, you know, having just arrived on the other side of this place of, of, of ambiguity that we kind of 
started off with, uh, you know, I, I, I do find it um, to be, a, I don't know, like a, a really important conversation. And I think, um, and more than that, I, you know, I, I think people's people are getting better with their smell test of figuring out is this somebody who is trying to do right in this system while we fight to change it or not and that's a really that's a really good thing and um so I would I would really encourage folks to um uh read the report because I think it'll I don't know um, I don't know, help, help them. Uh, it's, it's a practice quiz for your smell test. If I can really like, you know, make a stupid metaphor, <laughs> uh, but I, you know, Jesse, the, the report has so much in it. It's so great. I'm, I'm wondering if there's any, anything else in it, um, that we haven't talked about yet that you wanted to cover or any other, any other thoughts that you wanted to share with the audience? Well, no, I, I guess in, in, in regards to this idea of the smell test and, and I think, what we're fortunately or unfortunately going to see if I'm, if I'm to mm-hmm. offer some predictions potentially mm-hmm. um, is that rather than, uh, and again, I, I find myself taking these, these kind of like um, cynical outlooks today, but um, the rather than um, like at least at the same speed, if not potentially faster, the contexts that architects work in are going to be changing um, uh, at, again, at least as fast, if not faster than architects changing mm-hmm. their practices um, for better or worse. Um, I think the context in which we practice are changing so rapidly and so um, extremely that they, um, whether, whether there's a sort of like ethical obligation or not, are going to necessitate certain changes. Um, and those changes... Um, will hopefully produce sort of, um, uh, well, it's a very critical moment to be like um, setting up the infrastructure for how to practice, like sort of, you know, imagining futures post licensure, for example, or something like that too. We're at a moment where we can, when we can almost see enough to make, um, to make certain types of speculations about what that future might feel like. And I think that we're we're in a place where we can, yeah, set up the infrastructure for what that might feel like. Yeah. Well, I think that's a, a perfect place to end. Um, Jesse, thanks so much. Uh, extend a thank you also to your fellow report authors. Um, and will you, uh, will you give us, just uh, read for us one more time where folks can access the report? Um, yeah, it's a bit convoluted, but if you uh, Google Columbia GSAP, internships in the architecture profession, um, the PDF will be, will show up as the first link. Um, so apologies, that's not in a more um, <laughs> clear place, but that's where it lives. We can pop a link into the show notes as well. Yes. Uh, Jesse McCormick, thank you so much for joining Buildings on Air. It's been a pleasure. Yeah, thank you. This has been Buildings on Air on Lumpen Radio. Buildings on Air is a production of Lumpen Radio. Hosted by Kiefer Dunn. Produced by Logan Bay and Jamie Trecker. Visit us on the web at buildingsonair.live. If you want us to answer your questions about buildings on the air, send them via Twitter at 
BLDGS on air or via email at buildingsonair at gmail.com. This show is also available as a podcast on iTunes.